Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. It's just a, a great conference that is at a, at a point right now where they're, I think, clearly the best group of five conference in the country. The state of Sunbelt football is the strongest in our history. Uh, and we got to continue to showcase uh, what our league is about. This league is insane. Yeah, it might be like one of those eight wonders of the world. <laughs> and you can see just what a great group of five conference it really is. It, it's a big deal. Boy, life is looking pretty good in the Sunbelt these days. time for another uh, fun belt podcast uh we are it's uh, that means it's uh, tuesday night it's a three show week this week uh for dusty and jeremy uh in my contract that i have negotiated i only uh, do one a week but uh, uh i'm of course uh, one of your esteemed hosts along with uh, dusty thibodeau of warhawk report of course uh ben moore with pantatalk.com and 24 7 uh week uh, has come and gone another fun belt weekend dusty it was uh it's getting more fun, and, and I think the uh, the East race is certainly uh, tightening a, a smidge, and it uh, looks like uh, stuff out West is is continuing to to clarify. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, another weekend, and now we're in November, right? This is when uh, the, the ring season begins for all the programs, and uh, uh, it's – here we go, man. The, the weather is turning a little bit cooler, and uh, – you know, start starting to get the itching for uh, for bowl season and bowl bits close to uh, being grabbed. Yeah, I mean it. It uh, it was a great weekend of football. We had Troy almost pull the upset of Coastal Carolina. Grayson McCall. My immediate thought, and you know, I, I think he was okay. Definitely a, a concussion there when he uh, kind of lost his dinner all over the field. All I could think of though was any given Sunday and Willie Beamer. You know. <laughs> I wish he would have stayed in the game just to have that great touchdown pass or whatever, just to kind of have that true comparison. But that that's what ran through my mind. Um, Lafayette with a, with a shutout, just dominating performance over Texas state. ULM 
I don't know. Five turnovers, you're not going to win a game. It doesn't matter who you're playing with five turnovers. But if you look at it like this, 59-28, the five turnovers led to 24 points. You back that out, it's a one-possession game. And what's even more frustrating, the opening drive ULM has, Chandler Rogers has a receiver wide open, nobody around him, and, and, and does the – he can't be that open and way overthrows him. Does that mean it's a tie game? Maybe, probably not. Who knows? But it, it just – it's crazy when you start seeing the numbers and, and, and when you dig deep into it. Obviously, Georgia State went south, got a huge win, beat the, beat the Eagles so bad. Their mascot left the stadium, Ben. That was a, that was a sign of things to come. Yeah, uh, freedom. The Eagle, uh, very similar to uh, what Auburn does, uh, has the Eagle pregame uh, fly around the stadium. Uh, normally have uh, the the catcher there uh, right about the ten or fifteen yard line, and uh, quite literally, uh, the the Eagle had left the building, um, and uh, it was uh, it, it was one of those scenarios too where uh, both teams really, you know, you could tell in, in a rivalry game, and, and we've said it for a while. Weird stuff happens in rivalry games, and uh, it was a very very ugly first half they certainly won't be teaching uh any any offensive game plans coming off that game um but uh, ultimately the georgia state rushing attack uh, got going in the second half and uh you know georgia state was able to escape statesboro with the victory and um uh, i'm not sure if the folks down in the in the borough are, are still not calling it a rivalry but uh, this is now three wins and four attempts down in statesboro uh which the uh, the apostrophe there is uh, is being added uh, by a lot of georgia state folks uh, so a little, little, little bit of fun there, but, uh, but no, they, uh, and, and it's also been a newsy day and a newsy couple days uh, down there uh, in Statesboro as they officially have a new, a new head coach. Yeah. Moving, moving from the West coast. I'm, I'm curious to see how does that West coast mesh with the old three yards in a cloud of dust that, that Georgia Southern really wants to have that, that kind of mentality and wants to have that type of football team. They don't have the personnel to do that right now. So we're looking at two to three years of them really rebuilding to get to be able to run that West Coast offense. Yeah, it's it's really difficult. You know, we were, we were talking just briefly off air. It's, it's a lot like Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech, you know, trying to unwind the Paul Johnson triple option. Um, you know, you don't have a lot of the personnel there. Of course, George Southern was not running a strict triple option, but you still have underside offensive linemen. Uh, you're going to be, you know, a ton of running backs in the program. Uh, not a whole lot of skill in terms of wide receivers, uh, in terms of numbers. You have zero pro-style uh, quarterbacks at all. So that's going to be heavy, heavy lifting there. Um, and as we've talked about, and, and, and you know, our Matt, our guest from GATA talk earlier in the, you know, in the season, uh, you have an old guard that wants to really hold on to that triple option. Uh, Jeff Schultz of The Athletic uh, reported that they did reach out to Paul Johnson, and he said, nah, I'm good. I'm good at being retired. And and uh, not coming back and trying to recreate the magic uh, that he built there when they, when the Eagles were FCS. Uh, but Helton's an interesting hire. Um, you know, Gainesville native uh, had been uh, at Auburn briefly, Duke briefly, but that was literally decades ago. Uh, hasn't recruited in the Southeast in quite a long time and, and uh, already put it out on, on, on Twitter. So it must be true. Uh, Brian Ellis, uh, the Western Kentucky uh, co-offensive coordinator was a quarterbacks uh, coach for, uh, there at Southern Cal. Uh, we'll be joining him. 
uh, on the offensive staff as well. So interesting to see how that offense continues to develop. Uh, obviously, they're going to run a pro style uh, set spread offense and uh, don't have the personnel to do it. So look for the Eagles to get very, very active in the transfer portal and, um, you know, trying to, you know, rebuild once, you know, what they had. Um, and uh, we, we know what they did with Willie Fritz and, and kind of meshing that that offense and, and having some very good athletes there. But this this will be a very, very, uh, you know, heavy lifting, difficult task uh, for that staff. And he's already there, which was a little bit uh, interesting to me. I saw the, the report from uh, Sports Illustrated saying that, he was at practice today, uh, you know, observing, trying to figure things out. So uh, tells me a lot about, uh, you know, him wanting to get his hand in there and figure out what he has and what he doesn't. As we know, the early signing period is going to be in December. So you have, you know, a full six weeks to kind of evaluate the roster. And then already some players have already jumped in the transfer portal as of this afternoon. So uh, there is a lot of cleansing going on down in Statesboro. And uh, as we know, uh, I'm sure he'll take his, uh, his ceremonial baptism in beautiful Eagle Creek soon enough. The nightcap of the of, of the weekend there, Arkansas State, South Alabama, Jake Bentley, three games in a row of 250 yards or better. He had two, 251 with four touchdowns. South is – I still don't get them. There, there's weeks that they are probably one of the best teams in the league and other weeks they're towards the bottom part of the middle and, and don't really seem to know where they're supposed to be. It's, it's so wild, but uh, hey, man, just uh, just throw it to Jalen Tolbert. Just keep doing that, and pretty much uh, good things will happen. Uh, I think Jake Bentley continues to do that, and, and Tolbert just remains a matchup nightmare. We've we've talked about, uh, you know, sorry to Jeremy, he, he's uh, tapped out of this one, but uh, his Red Wolves are still allergic to defense. Uh, they don't like playing it. Uh, they, they like to give up yards on the ground. They like to give up yards through the air, and uh, ultimately it was uh, back to Lane Hatcher, uh, for the Red Wolves, and uh, things did not go well for Lane. Uh, had three picks and a QBR, if you're interested in it, uh, of 15. That's not good. Uh, just throwing it out there, guys. Uh, not not good to have a QBR of 15 when uh, when you know you have a have guys that routinely on a scale of you know, one to a hundred. Um, but but no, I mean it's we we knew you know, obviously the Butch Jones uh, rebuild was going to be pretty. Deep, um, as you mentioned, I mean, South has rode the roller coaster pretty much all season. They jumped out three and zero, you know, lost a couple games. Now they're now they're one win away from bowl eligibility. That's a huge, huge uh, opportunity for Kane Womack and that staff. And and as they continue to try to build and and uh, get some momentum down there in Mobile. You mentioned the standings earlier. The East is you. You said it's kind of compacting down, but App State, Coastal, Georgia State, all three and one. Now, App State has the head-to-head that they would be able to claim the East division, but it, it doesn't get any closer than that. And, and, and all it takes is one weekend. This weekend, App State goes to Arkansas State. We've said it before. You know, Jonesboro is the place where dreams go to die. It, it wouldn't surprise me if it happened. Am I getting the hate mail from, from the Mountaineer fans over that? Probably. But if you look back, Arkansas State plays really, really well at home, and it would not surprise me to see the Red Wolves somehow claim that game. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, the, the toughest part about it ultimately, you know, winning on the road is difficult, right? You know, ultimately teams feel better when they, um, you know, are sleeping in their own bed. And, and, and at some point you, you have to think Arkansas State's going to put up another crooked number on somebody, right? You're going to have – you're going to get out into a shootout and into an opportunity there. And, and App, App has had their moments. You know, we saw that earlier this season where 
Um, they have, you know, done things that make you kind of scratch your head that been, a, you know, a little bit undisciplined and unapt state like, um, you know, I think the game could be closer. I see the lines already, you know, three touchdowns, you know, in, in favor of app state, which is pretty rich, uh, honestly. And, and uh, the other side too, I mean, uh, where's Arkansas state's mentality right now? You know, it is November. A lot of these guys, uh, that did come back and, and may or may not be Butch Jones guys. You know, are they going to you know stick around and, and push it a little bit, or are they kind of look to be checked out for the season and uh, just saying, hey, going through the motions? So that's the toughest part about, uh, you know, college coaching certainly is trying to motivate those 18, 22-year-olds when there's really no more goals in front of them. Um, and, uh, again, a big name to be in there. So interested in, in seeing how, uh, how that game progresses. But you're right. I mean, there are three teams that are still in the mix you know, they're uh, in the East and, and uh, you know, it looks like Louisiana is just, you know, kind of gliding along as they play a play an early game uh, here. They're the kickoff this week. The interdivisional rivalry game, South Alabama goes to Troy. I love that game. I love that it's the Sun Belt and they play for the belt. It's fantastic. Next year, it might lose a little bit of meaning or in the future, I should say, whenever they are in the same division. But, you know, we've said it all along also about Troy, as much as we talked about South Alabama. Troy just doesn't know if they're supposed to be good or bad. And and I like Troy. I I think that they have all the right pieces. They just need the right conductor to get the orchestra playing in the the right tune. Yeah, we talked about, honestly, their their offenses still continue to be the issue. You know, when things – their defense has been really good uh, at times, and uh, it kept them in ball games, but you, you still have to score in this league. You still have to, um, you know, put up points and, and, you know, even coming close and, and kind of taking advantage of coastal Carolina, uh, you know, coming off their first loss uh, the previous week. I mean, that, that game was winnable, uh, you know, for sure, um, you know, on the road and, and uh, just couldn't generate enough points. Um, I'm very interested to see too, as we talked about Kane, while making that, um, you know, South Alabama, this is a big game, big, big rivalry game. Uh, between those two schools, it does matter in that state in a major way. Um, you know, very interested to see uh, what happens there in, at, at Troy. I'm sure there'll be a pretty good crowd uh, there, and it's really going to be strength on strength. You have a very good defense uh, versus um, you know a, a, a running game that can you know get going a little bit in Kamani Vidal and and, uh, uh, and then Jake Bentley against that Troy defense and secondary and linebackers. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, to see who uh, who lands that first uh, first punch in the state, and and uh, again, does the South have an opportunity to go ahead and clinch that bowl against a rival, or or does Troy try to fight back and and uh, say not so fast, my friend? Thursday night, Georgia State travels down to the Bayou of Louisiana Lafayette. Lafayette leading the West right now, perfect five and zero, oh, but hold on to this. Warhawks in second place with a two and three record, holding the tiebreaker head-to-head matchup against South Alabama. Who would have known that coming into this season? But I digress. Georgia State, Lafayette. Lafayette's going to roll. I hate to say it, Ben, but uh, there's just nobody that's going to stop Billy Napier right now. Yeah, they, that, this is, uh, I think, a, uh, a convergence of a lot of bad things for the Panthers. Uh, coming off a humongous uh, road win, a rivalry win, a uh, short week, uh, head coach Sean Elliott was at the World Series game on Sunday night as were some of the players. They were in the in the area around uh, Truist Park watching the Braves game. Very, very short, compressed time frame to uh, to prepare for this game. Uh, went back and looked at, at uh, you know, Louisiana blowing out Texas State. Uh, they got into their bench very early in the third quarter. 
Uh, they're not going to be as you know beat up. They're going to have an opportunity to go. Um, very, very interested to see uh, what the Panthers and what kind of resistance they can pull off because we have talked about it for several weeks. I mean, Louisiana had kind of been skipping a little bit and just kind of going through the motions. Uh, really, really kind of got going against Texas State, and that that uh, you know running game is is one of the best in the country. Um, I, I will say this: if I do have a prediction. Uh, predicted it that it, uh, the game will probably only last about two and a half hours because you have two uh, teams that just want to run the football so that so that it may be one of those scenarios where uh, you, you look up and you're like is it is it really the third quarter and there's only two hours have gone by but uh, but no I, I think it's a you know a, a big big opportunity obviously for Georgia State there but they for whatever reason they just have not had the luck against the Cajuns and uh, certainly going to Cajun field on Thursday night is going to be difficult. And, and another thing as well, uh, Georgia state does not play well on national TV and w- even worse than that has have uh, traditionally been blown out. Uh, going back to Memphis a few years ago on a Friday night, uh, we got the doors blown off of them. Uh, they've had an opportunity against App State and, and uh, lost big. Um, I think the biggest thing now is just taking that step forward um, now and, and seeing what, if the Panthers can, uh, just try to strike a blowback, but uh, Louisiana has a tremendous, um, you know, pass defense as well, and that's that's something that the Panthers want to do better. You know, Coach Elliott's talked about it for several weeks, is trying to pass the ball downfield. Well, uh, the Cajuns are not the team to really do that. They they defend uh, the pass very very well. Uh, so it's uh, yeah, it it may be a very rough rough evening and a rough trip to uh, to Lafayette, uh, the first or actually the second of three straight road games. Thanks, Sunbelt, uh, to the Panthers, uh, th- three in a row. So, uh, but uh, but they'll, they'll have to grin and bear it and uh, try to keep on fighting. Why, why did we never ask Keith Gill, why does he hate my team? And by that, I mean, you, you insert your team. He hates all of them, apparently. My favorite game, of course, and I'm headed there to San Marcos to go see the Warhawks and the Boobcats. Warhawks have not won on the road since 2019 when they went to San Marcos, baby. I'm looking forward to this being a great game. I know Chandler Rogers left the game early against App State with a bruised arm, allegedly. But I still like the Warhawks going to win. Uh, it's homecoming for Texas State. I love ruining people's homecomings as much as I had mine ruined uh, several, several times. And the Warhawks will keep second place in the West. What more do you want? Yeah, I think that's that's the interesting part to me. And and, and I, I think this is one of those two where we talked about how teams, you know, come off a big win, uh, also a big loss. You know, how does Texas State respond? The Texas State AD came out yesterday and said, hey, uh, we're behind Coach Spavital. We're going to try to give him more resources and kind of gave him that vote of confidence there. So, um, you know, the, the Texas State Bobcat Nation has to feel at least okay about, about uh, their head coach. Uh, but, again, as you mentioned as well, I mean, Ter- Terry Bowden, um, you know, getting his opportunity there to, uh, to, to make another statement, get another road win, check another box as, as the Warhawks uh, would try to take another step toward um, you know, toward bowl eligibility. And I agree with you. I, I like the Warhawks in this one. Um, I think it's uh, it's one of those scenarios where they they they've got the players. They just got to put it together and and uh, just miss that turnover bug, man. That's that's the biggest thing. Don't turn the ball over and you got a shot. Five turnovers, you'll never win a game. Ben, our our favorite time of the year, basketball season's here. There's a lot of uh, non D ones to open the season, but starting on the ninth. We actually have some D1 head-to-heads. Texas State gets a chance to get redemption when they go to Incarnate Word. To me, I like Texas State 
Sunbelt champions last year. A lot of good returners coming back. I like Texas State there. ULM going on the road for the money game against LSU. Ball State, Georgia Southern, UTA, and Oklahoma State to kick it off. As well as on the women's side, ULM travels just down the road to Grambling. Texas State goes to Baylor. I like a lot of these early games. I know when we talked to Jay Walker, he was like, the home schedule sucks. Yeah, it kind of does because out of all those games that we just said, only one of them is actually at home. But I like the matchups. And even a little bit later in next week, you have App State going to Mercer. People are going to scratch their head. Mercer, that's a good mid-major matchup right there. Yeah, no, no question. And I think this is, you know, no, November, especially early. Um, you know, these these are the games that the league wants to win, right? If you want a better basketball product, um, you want to challenge yourself with with peer uh, mid-major conferences. You're looking around, as you mentioned, the SOCON um, there. I mean, Mercer, you know, not too long ago beat Duke in the NCAA tournament. They've been a very solid uh, program, basically uh, kind of getting getting footing back um, in the state of Georgia, playing in a loaded SoCon, the SoCon puts really, really good programs out there too. And we see a lot of, um, you know, a lot of kind of, I would say low major, but you're going to see mid major and mid, you know, maybe a little bit lower mid major schools uh, kind of rolled into some of the um, Sun Belt scheduling, and uh, you know, huge opportunities. You know, and, and as you mentioned, some of the money games as well. I mean, there's there's some programs that are you know loading up and playing three or four of those uh, in November in December and. and you, know, you have an opportunity, and that's that's the biggest thing that we continue to see every single year. Is uh, you know teams can get hot, come out there, and and you know guys may not pay attention as much. You know scouting, um, you see some of these low majors, they just kind of walk through and go through the motions. We've seen some preseason injuries as well. Uh, you know take place around the country. Guys may not be you know 100% healed up, uh, so they may be a little bit slow down. So uh, very interested to see what the league does, and I can't believe it's here already. That's that's kind of the convergence, right? You have football, you have basketball, um, championships going on as well with some of the fall sports. It's uh, it's a blast. You just kind of you know glide all the way through and and, and follow it all. So this this is the, the certainly the busy time. You mentioned championship weekend. There's one going on right now. Good old women's soccer. We actually had a great upset there. App State two to one over the six seed of Texas State sets up all the quarterfinals kicking off on Wednesday. Your Panthers playing that, that upstart App State team, South Alabama and Little Rock. Little Rock uh, beat Louisiana Lafayette in a shootout, 3 nothing after tying 1-1 in regulation. Arkansas State will play ULM. ULM, the eighth seed after they fell from the third seed for who knows what happened off, off the field. And then Georgia Southern and Coastal Carolina kind of close out that that quarterfinals. I'm always excited when it's championship season time. Yeah, it's you know this is what they what you play for, right? And that that's that's the best part about it. And as you mentioned, I mean, you already see upsets going on. Um, you know, you you have everyone's trying to grab that you know that that elusive bid, you know, the NCAA tournament bid. And um, you know, I think that's this is kind of when people pay attention overall, I believe, to the non-revenue sports, right? You look at them and you go, all right, wow, this is going on. All right, there's a championship going on. Uh, there's something at stake. I, I think that's uh, the really fun part about it. You may not pay attention to, you know, a soccer or a volleyball during the regular season because you got other stuff going on. But uh, you know, this is championship time, and, and, you know, this is when they award the trophies and the banners, and, and folks uh, get to play in the postseason 
and against uh, much bigger programs and, and have opportunity to, to make huge statements. So uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. I'll, I know I'll be jumping on ESPN plus tomorrow and, and uh, checking out a couple matches and, and see what's going on uh, within the, the fun belt uh, on the women's side. So with it being championship season right now, I want to circle back to something that commissioner Benson had talked about last week when he talked about bringing in old dominion, presumably James Madison, Marshall, Southern Miss. And, and his comment was that you don't have to hit on every single school, but you got to be pretty close that everybody needs to be at that 500 or better. So my question to you, Ben, is what is the expectation for not only the members now, but those coming in? What is that trade-off? If, if you do have, you know, an 0-10 football season, an 0-12 football season, if your women's basketball team goes to the dance, does that make up for it? Or if softball somehow makes it to a regional, what is kind of that trade-off? I think that's the biggest thing and the biggest sentiment, and, and I agree. I mean, you have to ultimately talk to these athletic directors and presidents and, and find out if they're making a financial commitment to certain athletic departments and, and certainly certain uh, sports. You know, there's, as we've seen, you know, Mar- Marshall has a championship, national championship level soccer program. That's a huge ad. You know, Keith Gill talked about that the other day, saying that Sunbelt soccer will be coming back, uh, men's soccer will be coming back. That's a huge, huge news, uh, potentially to build a, a tremendous multi-bid league uh, there for the Sun Belt, um, you, you have an opportunity again. As we talked about uh, having multiple ranked teams uh, in football, you want men's basketball to continue to progress and get stronger. And I think that does with the with the four additions um, that will be coming into the Sun Belt. I think women's basketball will continue to get stronger. You look at Old Dominion historically from the basketball side, both men's and women's has been great, um, and, and that's a, that's certainly a big ad. James Madison has been in the NCAA tournament several times. Um, and, and I think that's kind of what you want to see. You want to see baseball improve, right? You want to see softball improve. And overall, you want to stress to these teams, listen, um, you know, to compete in this league, there, there's kind of an expectation. And I think ADs have that list of, hey, this is what we want to compete in. We want to win this many championships or compete for this many championships annually. Just comes down to resources. It comes down to resource allocation and focus, really. Um, and I think uh, overall, the league got a lot more, a lot better, and a lot more balanced across the league uh, with a variety of different sports. I know so many people focus on, you know, football and men's basketball, but there's a lot of uh, really good programs that are entering entering the league very quickly. So schools are going to have to react. They're going to have to recruit better, um, you know, build better facilities and uh, recruit better athletes there to uh, as as again the talent level just continues to rise. Yeah, I mean, we already knew that the Sun Belt has pretty good football. They have pretty good men's basketball. They have okay women's basketball. They have pretty good softball. I think that they have pretty good track um, as, as far as the, the non-revenue. But beyond that, it, it, it's kind of a – the Sun Belt is very much an afterthought. So I, I think that it's kind of a trade-off of you got to really win at those core sports, the big four, men's, women's basketball, football, baseball – and I'll even say a core five of softball as well, because we have so much talent in the conference, but it's not going to move the needle. If the golf team is, is way below par, no pun intended um, or anything like that. So I, I think that while there's a trade-off, I think as long as your core five, so to say, or are strong, I think that that is what we, what we have to strive for as a conference. 
to be strong from there. And then we'll have the occasional bonus of, you know, a great golfer that comes through a, a great women's soccer team that, that runs through and somehow, you know, gets the upset in the NCAA tournament. But for the most part, core five all the way. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's, you know, certainly baseball has continued to take a step forward. I think even some of the teams that have come in, you know, Georgia state, Georgia Southern app state, uh, they've been surprised at, at how strong Sunbelt baseball has been. Of course, adding Coastal Carolina, national champion. Um, you know, you've had uh, Louisiana Lafayette host uh, a regional uh, in recent memory as well. Um, I think that's kind of the next progression is, is seeing these teams um, that may have not focused on, again, this, the, like you said, those core, core sports as much and just dedicated all the resources to football and some to basketball. Uh, having to to balance that out a little bit more. Uh, otherwise, you just are going to continue to get hammered. And, um, you know, there is there is monies out there uh, for these teams. And, and you know, someone asked me about about the new Sunbelt basketball. I, I think there is an opportunity for a multi-bid league now, which just didn't exist, you know, really in the last 10, 15, uh, almost 20 years. Um, it's just about overall, I mean, keeping those head coaches in the league. Uh, once making sure that, you know, hey, a Little Rock doesn't have success, lose their coach, and then completely plummet, you know, completely go to the bottom of the league. Um, that can't happen. Um, but that, ha- again, has to be a focus from that specific athletic department. I mean, uh, Carl Benson was interviewed a few years ago about it when talking about how does men's basketball get better. It was pretty simple, right? You got to spend money on it. You got to you got to go and improve your recruiting. You have to recruit, you know, recruit better players, development, uh, put an emphasis on facilities uh, because ultimately you're competing with high majors in all these sports. And then when you even go down the equivalency sports, um, kids want to win. They want to win at a high level. They want to know who you're playing to. You know, ha- having an attractive schedule, uh, not just scheduling wins. You know, that's, that's, that has happened. We've seen that at our level uh, here, certainly where you may have a softball or a baseball program, just schedule a bunch of wins and then just completely fall apart in conference play. You're looking at, all right, well, that doesn't really help you. So um, you go the other way, like George State did last year and play 20 uh, ranked teams in your uh, non-conference and, you know, get, get your head beat in a lot, but you, uh, you know, certainly collect a lot of paychecks there. Uh, don't recommend that, uh, you know, as, as a general strategy. But, but, no, I agree with you, Dusty. It just – it comes down ultimately – um, you know, if, if you want want the league as a whole to continue to rise, and we, we also know too, it's multiple seasons, right? It's multiple uh, years where it's got to grow and continue to grow, where perception becomes reality, where it's not just hey, an upset here and upset there. Uh, it's it's multiple teams landing punches and, and seeing that and uh, getting those opportunities to to uh, to go and make hay in the NCAA tournament because that's ultimately where where everyone's going to be judged. Yeah, and I mean, I think the NCAA tournament, especially for for men's women's basketball, is is kind of the pristine thing that you that you want to be in. Probably the closest that a Sun Belt team will be to actually competing for on the on the stage for a national title. But to me, I like the formats of the C level tournament and the NIT, where it's back on your campus. It's more collegiate and less commercial, not as much money into it, but that's just kind of my preference. So when you talk about multi-bid leagues, I like that, you know, we have the automatic bid into the NIT for men's and women's for regular season champ. Um, I wish baseball would, would kind of step it up and that we would get multiple teams in that way. It's always exciting to watch NCAA regionals, um, football. Sorry. If, if an undefeated, Cincinnati that has several top 10 wins is still on the outside looking in on the college football playoff. There's not going to be a G five that ever makes it. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and it's tough. I mean, look, you, you have a scenario too, where neither Louisiana or coastal Carolina are ranked in the top 25 and the, in the uh, CFP. 
Uh, and they're ranked, obviously, in the, you know, the, the coaches poll and the AP poll. Uh, it's just the reality of it. And, and, and ultimately, being a group of five, you know, alum like we are, um, we just know that's the reality of the scenario where you're going to have people. Uh, and again, the Georgia State Athletic Director is on the CFP committee uh, holding that down for the Sunbelt spot. Um, I, I'm sure he's you know, outvoted by the vast majority of folks uh, there in the room. But uh, I think that's the trouble is when you ultimately hold up resumes next to each other. There's going to be a natural power five bias. And um, you know, even if they expand it to eight or to 12 or whatever the number may be, as soon as the new TV deal uh, happens, uh, I just see in no way the, the group of five gets included and uh, they will, they will be uh, you know, thrown to the kitty table there, uh, you know, around Thanksgiving. I like to think for that guy from Georgia state, you know, there's always that one kind of oddball Heisman vote for like, you know, the, the center that's a feel good story or whatever, that he just stands up in the middle of it. And it's like Arkansas state. That'd be amazing. I, uh, I can see that happen. It's funny, you know, Charlie Cobb's a former offensive lineman. So, you know, yeah, he, he's a, he'd be the guy that would uh, say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to have the best uh, interior lineman. Yeah. He's going to be getting my Heisman vote this season. Love it. Short show. I know Ben's chomping at the bit because he thinks his barves are going to win a world <laughs> series. Uh, part and shot. What do you got there for us, Ben? Yeah, man, I uh, had a chance to uh, to to uh, catch up with uh, the new president, President Brian Blake of Georgia State University. We'll be uh, kind of having a recap of our conversation uh, tomorrow on PantherTalk.com. Looking forward to kind of getting some reaction there. We do talk about athletics, did talk about the university as well. He's an Atlanta guy, uh, went to Georgia Tech and, and talked to, talked about that experience. And and uh, I was very fortunate to, to speak with him. So kind of had, had a little bit of an exclusive with him and, and talking about growing things and kind of his vision, uh, which is always fun, because as we know in all this, the presidents uh, set the vision and set the tone uh, in athletics. And then certainly the athletic directors and the coaches have to follow that. So uh, that will be breaking. Uh, I'll be posting that tomorrow morning. And then, of course, uh, as you mentioned, uh, it's a it, it earlier uh, Thursday night game, which I'm hoping that uh, my Braves can go ahead and take care of this tonight so I can actually uh, sleep uh, tomorrow night. If not, then it'll be game seven and uh, we will have the Atlanta PTSD uh, that I know very well. Uh, but yeah, to, to, to clinch that in Houston would somewhat cleanse uh, some of the palates of uh, Atlanta sports fans as well as that's where the Falcons uh, died. So, yeah. That was good. That was a good Super Bowl. That was actually at Minute Maid Park uh, that I was working at at the time to host the Super Bowl opening night, and uh, yeah, that was fantastic. Good times. Yeah, I had an opportunity to go. I, I had buddies. Uh, my my uh, my partner on the site uh, called me on Tuesday. Said, "Do you want to go?" And uh, I was thinking about moving heaven and earth. Thank God, my wife basically said, "You could do it, but what if they lose?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's the pain, man. That's the pain." And I knew many people uh, that paid a whole lot of money Sunday to get in that building only to see the Braves lose nine to five. So hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully they take care of business tonight. So the city of Atlanta will have something to celebrate for the first time since 1995. My parting shot, my bad confession. I didn't get to vote today on the elections. We didn't have anything meaningful in Texas, but, you know, I always tell people it doesn't matter who you vote for, why you vote, just get out and vote. So I apologize to everyone that I did not go vote on my Texas state constitutional amendments um slap on the hand i'll try to do better next time other than that next episode will be jeremy and myself talking with coastal carolina head coach cliff ellis as we get ready to talk shots basketball ahead of 
ahead of the season starting. I, I, I can't believe football season's just about done and basketball season's kicking off or tipping off, I guess you should say. Yeah, and Cliff, Cliff has seen some things, man. He's coached in the SEC. He's been bounced, bounced around. Uh, uh, will be a great interview there. And uh, his his experiences with Georgia State when he was the Auburn coach, I, I was actually in attendance for both of those games. I believe uh, it was his uh, 400th career win. They presented him with a ball when they blasted Georgia State. And then the following season, uh, they got in super late, uh, had a road trip and, and played in a, a tournament in Las Vegas. And their flight got delayed, didn't get back to Auburn until about four in the morning. Uh, Georgia State came in the following night and landed a 10-point victory over his Tigers. Uh, and uh, they promptly fired him at the end of that season, uh, citing uh, the, the many uh, losses to the mid-majors. So, uh, but no, Cliff, Cliff's a great, great guy. Uh, looking forward to, uh, to hearing uh, you and Jeremy's interview on that. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, he's seen some stuff. And his chants are always pesky, pesky team in, in the Sun Belt as well. Sounds great. Well, for Dusty Thibodeau, Warhawk Report, Ben Moore, Panther Talk, this is another Fun Belt podcast, and we'll do it again tomorrow. And all hopefully, Ben will actually be able to join us next week for more shows, and we'll have the gang back together. That's the plan. <laughs>